0: invite you to turn with me today to our scripture passage. We will be picking up where Craig left off in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. Only two verses, so I invite you to stand. Be standing only for just a few seconds and then sitting right back down, but we stand when we hear the Word of God read. Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15. Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord, the inerrant and word of God. You may be seated. We come today to a passage in Matthew that speaks to the heart very clearly. And we're going to pause really for the first verse this morning and really focus on what Jesus says about forgiving others their trespasses. And we're going to think about three things today. First, that God's Word always speaks to the heart. Secondly, what does it mean to forgive? And thirdly, the way for us to be forgiving people is to realize and understand what we have been forgiven from. So as believers in Christ, first, we are, called, we are called and commanded to be forgiving people. And firstly, we know that God's word always speaks to our hearts. I remember a few years ago a teaching series from Ligonier Ministries, and many of you are familiar with Ligonier and R.C. Sproul and the teachers who are associated. And if you're not, I highly encourage you to uh, become familiar with R.C. Sproul and his teaching in Ligonier. But Sproul had a series that was entitled The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And there's no question that sometimes the things that Jesus says are difficult. They may be hard to understand. They may take some prayer and some wisdom from the Holy Spirit to understand them. Or they may be hard because they challenge our hearts in ways that make us uncomfortable. And today's passage is a hard saying of Jesus, because it provokes us, and it challenges us. I wonder sometimes if we think of Jesus as this rather tame and smiling sage who kind of wanders around saying these nice little platitudes that help us everybody feel good, a kind of um, power-positive thinking, maybe. Uh, but that's not who Jesus is. When Jesus speaks he speaks to the heart, because as God incarnate, he knows the heart. And that leads us to our first point that God's word will always speak to your heart and my heart. I heard a minister say once that the Bible is like a mirror. It shows us who we are and what we also need to do before God. And we all know what it's like to look in a mirror. And think back to the time you got up at 5.30 in the morning and walked in and looked at yourself in the mirror. And I would probably guess that you didn't much like what you saw at 5 a.m., 5.30. I know what that's like. God's Word is a mirror in the sense that it will sometimes expose and show us things that are not pleasant in our hearts. I believe God's Word is also like a microscope, It looks inwardly and it looks at the small details. Uh, It exposes things that maybe we don't see first off at first glance. Just like a microscope will look down and down and see things that aren't readily apparent. So here's one example the verse in Romans 3 that says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Now, some people will say, I believe I'm a righteous person and I am a good person but that's contrary to what the word teaches. That's the word of God being a microscope and being a mirror for us. It shows us our hearts and God uses his word for that. Another example is Acts 4.12. There is no other name given under heaven by which we might be saved. And you might wonder what's wrong with with Acts 4.12. Well, a lot of people today don't like that because that's not very politically correct for Scripture to say that there is one way and no other way. So today we come to a passage in Matthew as we continue in the Sermon on the, uh, sermon on the Mount, which Craig has been preaching in the last uh, several months, that is a hard saying. And I'm not sure if this is an R.C. Sproul's teaching series, but it may well be because it is a very challenging passage for us. And as you read the Sermon on the Mount, maybe you've been reading it as, as Craig has been preaching through it, I'm sure you've noticed how personal that it is. You can't help but read this section in Matthew and not come away being pricked in the heart because it is very personal. And all of Jesus' teaching will center on the heart. And we need to listen and we need to hear when God's word speaks to our hearts. Our, our passage today tells us and commands us that we are be, to be forgiving people. We are to forgive those who have wronged us and sinned against us. A few verses back in the Lord's Prayer, we read Jesus saying, teaching us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And that may be something that that you read over quickly as you read through the Lord's Prayer or maybe as you, you say the Lord's Prayer, and there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. But stop and think, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We must forgive because God forgave us in Christ. Now, I'm only about a quarter of the way through the sermon here, And I already know what all of you are thinking. I know this because I was thinking the same thing when I was writing this last week. So those of you who are taking notes probably wrote this down already. And you're thinking, what about when the person who wronged me does not repent or seek forgiveness or feel sorry in any way for what he or she did? I know everybody's thinking that, if not all of you, then most of you. I'm going to disappoint you today, and I'm not going to answer that question. Not because it's not important, but because it could take up a whole sermon or a whole teaching lesson itself. What do we do when other people are not repentant? I'm going to disappoint you only because I want to stay on track today. And I'd like to to focus and to keep the focus on us, on you and me with what our passage is addressing here. It's speaking to the, addressing the attitude and the softness and the willingness of us, you and me, to listen to God's instruction, to soften our hearts and to forgive as we are forgiven, to be a forgiving people. So now when we find ourselves on Sunday morning faced with a difficult passage, a hard saying of Jesus, Let's not turn away from it, but let's turn toward it. Let's let the microscope of God's Word look in our spirit, in our hearts, and let's let the spotlight shine on us today because we need it, and we need the sanctifying power of of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So secondly today, what does it mean to forgive? What is, if, we, if I may call it this morning, biblical forgiveness, the kind that Scripture calls us to? And this is not an easy question to answer. There are shelves full of books that have been written about sin and forgiveness, and no one has all the answers, only God does. But we do have the benefit of the Word of God, and we have the benefit of Scripture what you hold in your hands today. So I'll make an effort this morning to define what forgiveness is, and this is not an exhaustive definition, but here we go. Forgiveness is a freeing disposition in the heart of a believer to follow Ephesians 4:32. <clears throat> Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It is the willingness of a believer in Christ to extend Christ-like mercy, kindness towards someone who has wronged us. I'd like to quote one of my favorite writers, the Puritan writer Thomas Watson, when he gives a definition of forgiveness. And Thomas Watson says this: quote, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish well to them, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. This is gospel forgiving. Ephesians 4.32, as we just heard a, a few minutes ago, Paul wrote those words to the Ephesian church in the first century. But they're no less relevant for us today in the 21st century. We are the same people as the Ephesians were. We are only separated by centuries of time. <clears throat> I believe forgive, part of forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, is allowing God to act in His providence. A humble freedom to trust God to heal and to reconcile when relationships have been marred by sin And we'll think about this a little bit more later. Now, I think at this point it may help to stop and think, as we're thinking and considering what biblical forgiveness is, to think about what it is not. I know that sometimes if you read or study a very difficult concept and the writer only talks about what it is not, sometimes that means that the person doesn't understand what it is. But I think today it does help to think of what forgiveness is not in two things. First of all, biblical forgiveness, what scripture calls us to, does not mean that there will be no consequences for the offender. I have a good friend from childhood, from many years ago, who wronged two people. I won't go into all the details. But he went to prison, and I don't know what happened between him and the two people that he wronged, that he sinned against. I don't know if he wrote them a letter, if he called them, if he attempted to reach out to them and say he was sorry or apologize in some way. But regardless of what happened with my friend and those people, he still went to prison there were consequences for what he did. He broke the law, and he went to prison for it. Galatians 6 tells us that God is not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. And there may well be consequences for those who do wrong, regardless of their attitude. Secondly, biblical forgiveness does not mean that you will never confront the offender. I don't want to dwell on that this morning only because there are so many different variables that enter into play when we consider how to confront someone, how to speak truth to a person who has sinned against us. There are so many different variables and uh, things that we must consider. And so I don't want to stop there, but only to say that showing biblical forgiveness does not mean that you will never necessarily confront the person or the people who sinned against you. In fact, Matthew 18 gives very specific guidance for the church about how to handle when someone sins in the church. Very detailed steps of what to do. I would only add that God would have us do this in humility. That he would call us to be humble. As we continue as we consider what biblical forgiveness is and how to be forgiving people. I believe it's very important first to think and to remember what we, what you and I have been forgiven from. When we stop and think what we are asking for in Matthew 6:12, forgive us our debts. When we actually pray to God, Lord forgive us our debts when we realize and we understand just how big our debt is before God, we can begin to have soft and forgiving hearts. We can begin to follow Jesus's difficult teaching for us to forgive. Let's think back to Ephesians 4.32 and then the verse that we read a minute ago. And Ephesians 4 has a lot of practical advice and I encourage you to read the passage. But let's think about this last phrase, just as God in Christ forgave you. Here is the Apostle Paul linking two concepts. We are to be forgiving people just as God in Christ forgave us. I believe this morning that one of the most important aspects of having a forgiving spirit is understanding what God has done for us in Christ, who we are, what He has forgiven. And until we truly grasp and understand the cross and what happened there, I think we will find it difficult to forgive others. If you have your Bible open, I encourage you to put your finger in Matthew 6 and turn to 2 Corinthians 5:21. I'd like to read a verse that speaks to what happened on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is, I think, is equally important as John 3.16 in summarizing the gospel for us. If you want to memorize a verse of Scripture, I encourage you to memorize 2 Corinthians 5.21, and it says this, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God." When we begin to understand and fathom what this verse says, we can start to first praise and thank God for saving us and for forgiving our sins. So let's consider a little more of what 2 Corinthians 5.21 teaches us. Scripture is clear and the Bible is clear that we are sinners, that we break God's law and His Word daily in our thoughts. We are lawbreakers and we need forgiveness. And the shorter catechism tells us That sin is a violation of or lack of conformity to God's law. So, how then are we forgiven? Those of us, we who are in God's debt, how are we justified or how are we made right before God, declared right before a holy God? Those who are lawbreakers owe a debt. This is what our legal system, by the way, is based on. When there is a wrong done, when there is a violation of the law in some way, there must be a payment. Some of you know this, and I know this, from having traffic tickets. If the police cite you with a ticket, you have to pay a fine. There must be a payment. We were unable to make that payment, to pay our sin debt before God. But God, in His amazing mercy, in His amazing grace did not leave us helpless and unable to pay that debt. He sent Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his only Son, to bear the punishment for our sins and to give us forgiveness for those of us who trust him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 clarifies and deepens for us to know just what Jesus did in paying our debts. The seminary term for this is imputation, and what that means just basically is counted. Our sins, all of our sins, were counted or imputed to Jesus Christ, to Jesus, counted for Him. And this is how He who knew no sin could be made sin for us. We know that Jesus never sinned, but all of our sin was counted to His account And then Christ's righteousness was imputed or accounted for us. And this is how we who have no righteousness in ourselves before God can become the righteousness of God. So this two-way transaction of all of your sin and my sin being counted to Jesus and His righteousness being counted for us, that is the heart of what the gospel is. And by knowing this and by understanding this, I believe that we can have softer hearts toward those who are in our debt. When we think again of the amazing grace of God in sending his son Jesus Christ to pay the debt that we could never pay, and taking our sin on himself and counting his righteousness to us. Micah chapter 7, verse 19 speaks of God casting our sins into the depth of the sea, where they will never rise again. If you think about the depths of the sea, if you've ever gone fishing, you know how deep the water is. If you've ever gone deep sea fishing, you especially know how deep it is. God casting all of our sins into the depth of the sea, they are gone, they were counted for Christ, His righteousness counted for us and we are forgiven and this morning i believe and i'm convinced that until we truly grasp and understand again what jesus did for us on the cross that we will very likely find it hard to forgive others to let go of bitterness and anger and a desire for revenge until we realize again how great our sin debt was before god we will not Likely, be easily, be humble and forgiving people. Ephesians 4, again, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. As I mentioned in the beginning of how the Bible is like a mirror and like a spotlight, we may read it and we may come to church and hear sermons and think that all we hear is bad news. And I hope that's not the case this morning. I hope that Jesus' challenging saying will challenge you in a good way and stir your heart. And I hope it will throw you on the, His grace in the gospel of 2 Corinthians 5.21, of what Jesus did for you, and that it will soften your heart, and that it will help you to forgive others as God forgave you. So let us this morning, let us be humble people. You may have heard the saying, be careful what you pray for because you might get it. And I've also heard, be careful about praying for humility because God will definitely answer that prayer. And none of us likes to be humbled. I don't like to be humbled, and I have. That's the fruit of indwelling sin that's left in us on this side of heaven we don't want to be humbled. But humble people are grateful people. We are grateful for all that God has done in our lives. Humble people are like Ephesians 4.32, kind and tender-hearted, not angry or hardened or hard-hearted. Humble people are willing to hear and learn as believers in Christ today, to hear and learn from the challenging passages of Scripture, the verse that really speak to the heart, that lay open our need for God's grace. And humble people are forgiving people. So today, let us also be hopeful and content people, so hopeful people in the sense of trusting in God. And I know as I've been speaking on a topic of Forgiveness, something that is very personal. I know that many of you, maybe most of you, are thinking of examples in your life, in your past, maybe in your present, of those, again, who have wronged you and uh, a relationship that is marred and broken by sin. There's no way that I can possibly preach a sermon or a message like this and avoid that. That is life. So, I know that some of you today have come having been grievously sinned against in your past by someone, many of you have, or some people. And I don't want in any way to minimize that of what you may have experienced from a person or people, but I do want to turn your eyes and your hearts to God's Word. And I want to let it instruct you and to change your heart, to change your way of thinking to be more like Christ. As God begins to work on your heart this morning, perhaps He will also work reconciliation in whatever relationship you are maybe thinking of this morning. I also want you to be hopeful people, trusting in God's sovereignty and His providence that God works in mysterious ways, in ways that we don't always understand, that He can indeed bring healing, not only to you, but to another person in your life. So let us today, wherever you are, let us be grateful that we have the Word of God today, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces and it challenges, but it also comforts, And let us be humble today to be more like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who gave his life totally innocent, that you and I may have eternal life and be forgiven. Let us this morning be humble and forgiving people just as God in Christ forgave us. Forgive us our debts, Lord, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Father, today, Lord, in just the few minutes we've had from your word, Lord, there's much that we all need to hear today. And Father, we know that on this side of heaven, we we need your grace. Father, I pray that the words of Jesus today would challenge us, that we would go from this place and be uh, forgiving and gracious and humble people. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I do pray today for those who, are, who may be struggling and suffering uh, the burden of a past wrong and who are struggling with the very idea of forgiveness. Lord, I pray now, just come and, and strengthen the hearts of those who may be here today thinking that. Lord, we trust you and we know that you will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, Father, also as we have been humbled by your word, we pray again that we would be joyful joyful people in remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. We thank you for that, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.